What's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And uh, welcome. I don't know what episode this is, but uh, it's February. And, uh, man, we're just... I don't know what it is. It's like some people might think, in a sense, we do this every week, right? So some people might think, man, you're consistent every week. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, I just think it's one of those things that... We do get tired, right? We work. Sometimes things don't start when we want to. All these things happen. But I don't know. It's like when we get in this room and we start our conversation, um, I don't know. It's just worth it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think that's so cool because, like, when you think about uh, what we do, we do everything by faith and our belief in Christ and our obedience to God. And it's like I even think about the text where, uh, Moses, Moses counted it, and I'm going to paraphrase, it's in Hebrews 11, uh, Moses counted it better to be faithful and be obedient to God than all the riches of Egypt or anything Pharaoh could have gave him. And one thing I would like to tell our listeners, uh, this is like a, uh, you know, uh, it's not a show, it's not a, a presentation, uh, it, it, it's really just four guys that sit in a room and, and, and share their faith. And really, it's it's like an accountability team. It's it's the ability to come in here, uh, share our faith, and, and understand that if there's things in our life that we need help with, we have folks that we can confide in and, and yep. have folks that will pray for us. Yeah. And, uh, a support system. To, and if you're out there listening you don't have that, it's really important. And I, I think, too, like, we're probably like maybe some of the listeners like I feel like my knowledge and my understanding of scripture has just benefited off this. Yeah. I mean that's the whole reason why we started so people could learn, but I like myself. I found I mean, do you, you guys find yourselves like that? Yeah, I mean yeah, most definitely. You're studying more seems and then and not only that, but the, just on the conversation alone. You know, is that that's the thing, is that when we come together collectively we're we're discussing it and you you really get into the word of it and seeing you know, different thoughts and different viewpoints and different yeah, you know yeah. questions even, you know. I mean the questions from the listeners that we used to get and uh, I loved it. You know, yep, because yeah. it's like, man, this is this is cool that you know we have a, something like this. You know, and I, and I, I love the platform too because, like I said, the questions sometimes we have questions and it's you you almost like I know like I am hesitant sometimes to speak up, but like I said, when they the questions come in, it's like, man, this is a great opportunity. Got to deal with it. Yes, got to give an answer. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing about this that really is encouraging. Uh, is the development that happens in my own life that uh, really don't have a, a, you know a, a specific thing I can lay my finger on and say ah that's it. but just my day to day activity and understanding that God's revealing to me more of my sinful nature yes. and he's he's helping me to understand that uh, we we made a statement uh, we got on some some topical conversation in Sunday school Sunday morning and uh, some of the things that were talked about were you know, saying things are really offensive. Uh, you know, a, a, a person like myself who's, you know, uh, raised in the mountains and, you know, been conservative my whole life, and you start talking about homosexuals. Ooh, boy. That's, you, you watch a TV channel and you see two men kiss in the mouth, and that's revolting to me. But then I stopped and thought, I wished all sin 
offended me. That to way. the degree of it, exactly, yeah. exactly, absolutely. And that's one thing I learned is as we uh, you know, continue to study and we can continue to develop, the closer I, I, I pursue God, the more offensive sin is. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, isn't that like I mean, you and you bring up a valid point because it's it's kind of, I mean, if if you watch society, that is society really deems what people consider to be a heinous sin or a sin that you know like you know that one is that it becomes to where you know that society accepts it so you find that you know professing christians are more accepting of it yeah. in, instead of you know taking that bold stance and saying you know no this is that's a sin in your life and the downplaying of sin it, it, it is something that needs to be addressed because like i said there's a lot of sin that happens that you know it culturally speaking it's acceptable but it's still it's still something that definitely needs to be addressed and that needs to be alan's taking a selfie right now (laughs) but yeah josh and i think it's one of those things too that when you think about so for example like in romans one right you get in there and it starts talking about idolatry right and then the next part of it starts talking about homosexuality and it's almost like a lot of people focus on the idolatry or the homosexuality that's addressed in the chapter. But it's not that Paul's just hammering on two specific sins. He's mm. talking about all exactly. sins. Oh, Any, exactly. Anything. I mean, when it gets to the end, when it gets through the end, it's talking about that God gave them up, God gave them over. And you get into those texts, someone could be given over and obsessed with alcohol, yes. exactly. drugs, yes. 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 idolatry, yes. Um, profanity, po- polygamy. I mean, yes. I mean that's... And one thing I want to make sure that I clarify before we leave the topic, I am not homophobic. Uh, it, it's, it, You're xenophobic. Exactly. Then that's my point. That's probably not a when, word. But. When, when, we, when we start as, as a child of God, yeah. becoming or wanting or desiring that yeah. pursuit of Him, we, we understand Christian means to be Christ-like. Yeah. Yes. So as we start pursuing a relationship with Him where we want to be more Christ-like, we need to start viewing sin the way Christ views sin. Right. He, yes. it, it, it's all revolting. All sin is revolting. Yes. But even in the sense of sin is revolting to him, the Bible does say that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for yeah. us. He loved us. And yeah. God demonstrated his love. So God is just. God hates sin, but he still loves. The sinner. And that's why I'll go back to my, I'm, I'm not a humble. Yes. I do not. I am not uh, uh, singling out singling yeah. out a group of people. Uh, You're just those, saying those folks are, are, have a soul; they need Christ. Yes. Yep. You're you're just you're coming from the same aspect as Paul is. You're using one sin to demonstrate it's not just about this one. Because you said yourself, you're like this came up, and this is how I feel about it, but. Man, I really feel like I I should feel that way about all oh, sin. Absolutely. You could have put anything yep. in there, Alan. Absolutely. So, um, and, and the thing is, too, is biblically, if it's sinful and it's in God's word and it's considered that, we're against it. Now, it seems yep. like me and Alan were talking. As Christians, do we still fail? Or as Christians, can we become unsensitive to some sins? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's we that can, calloused process to where yep. when you. Uh, pastor we've been talking to, about it for weeks yes. and here, and, and our pastor's been preaching about it. 
that Holy Spirit that's so precious and so valuable and how we respond to it is so pivotal in our development. The ignoring and the turning yeah. away and the dismissing that calloused, hardened heart. Yeah. Yep. That happens. That's why he talked about um, censure. And I mean, I mean, in, with sin in the sinful state, no, I have never met anybody that told me, you know, as a child, I wanted to be fully engulfed in a drug addiction when I became an adult. I, no one ever told me, you know, as a child, I wanted to get married so I can have an extramarital affair. It's not stuff that we, that's not the way it works. But what it does is, like Alan mentioned, it's that it's that slow little bit gradually turning a blind eye to it. It's not that bad. It's not a full-on affair because, you know, we're not doing nothing. But then it starts slowly, gradually, the conversation starts to shift, you know, and then next thing you know, that becomes more of a personal conversation towards one another. Or the addiction becomes yeah. to where, you know, no, no longer am I now drinking beer and I'm now drinking hard liquor or I'm starting to blur that line where I'm having it at my lunch break. And then the next thing you know, it's becoming... I can't function without it. Without it. Yep. Yes. And that's, and that's the thing with sin. That when we look at sin, if we go into it that stance, you know, that, well, society accepts it. I mean, for instance, alcohol. Yep perfectly accepted by society and if we ain't careful as christians and we don't have a firm stance to say you know what if it's going to alter me change my mind change my focus or take the distraction from my me serving god at that moment that's why we don't do it exactly you know and that's where we have to keep ourselves in that sinful or away from that sinful state and acknowledging it that it is sin and it's all sin and again we want to focus on what's most important my rights my privileges, what I'm entitled to, or Christ and His kingdom to come on yeah. earth like it is in heaven. Right? Do we want to we want to promote that? The Bible says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Yes. To to be uh, be ye coming out from among the world and be ye holy, yep. a, a peculiar people. Uh, all of that uh, again, as you're in that passionate pursuit of sanctification and a relationship with Him, sensitivity to that Holy Spirit and obedience to it. He's going to shed some light on some things that uh, society might say is okay. Mm-hmm. The world that we live in might say, oh, there's, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But in the eyes of God, he, the may, word not of God you, does, he yes. may not let you get away with it. That's right. So, <laughs> He's holy. Yes. And you're, you're, you're to be holy too. Let me, let me kind of, when you think about sin as a Christian, like I think specifically as we have been saved from sin, the, his blood has been imputed, imputed righteousness that's been given to us on behalf of Christ. So when it comes to the eternal record of my soul, when God sees that the blood, in a sense, is over my doorway, because it talks about that Christ is our Passover. Yes. When God sees that, He sees that I belong to Christ. And ultimately, according to Scripture, Jesus said... Um, all that the Father has given me, I haven't lost. The Father gives me those. And so, as a child of God, God knows that I belong to Christ. Now, when you talk about the saving from sins, we have to understand that, really, that is applicable in eternity, eternal situation. Because when I step into eternity, as in when my life is over 
and my soul leaves my body and will return to God, there's two places that the soul goes. And it's either it stays with God because it's been covered in the Lamb's Book of Life, or God sends that soul to hell, um, to the to the pit eventually. But when you think about the that, yes, my salvation and my hope is hid with Christ, as Colossians says. But what about now? So that's where Christ said, I came to give life and I came to give it more abundantly. But even like in the sermon he preached, uh, our pastor preached and I posted Monday morning, when you get into early church doctrine that we need to follow, you know, a lot of people don't talk about censure, getting people out of the church. But people don't realize when Paul said that I'd give the, their, them over to Satan, that their bod, flesh would be destroyed and that the soul would... That just means that if a Christian decides to disobey God, he there, won't... He there won't, are serious repercussions for He that. won't take their... It's not like they're going to lose their salvation, but they might die early. They might bring more trouble in their lives. But ultimately, the reason that they would be kicked out in a sense of the church is in hope that through conviction and through the Spirit of the Lord, if they, if they truly yes. believe that they'll come back and realize. Uh, they don't just kick people out and it's like you're out of the club, don't ever come back. There's a hope that they come back. That's why they try to win them. But that's why James says that we need to be unstained from the world. Um, we have to understand as Christians that God imparts the spirit of the living God to dwell within the believers because we've got to be sanctified. The Spirit, it talks about that it is in the sanctifying of the Spirit. Um, the Spirit reproves the world of sin, of judgment and righteousness. Uh, the Spirit produces fruits within us that reflect God. And the Spirit seals us until the day of redemption as a down payment. Now, with the Spirit that now dwells within my inner being and has now sealed my soul, there is still a body of flesh that is clothed around that spirit that now belongs within me. So in that flesh is a decision that you can be unstained or not stained. Exactly. Because the spirit's going to bear witness with our spirit that we belong to the Lord. And if we belong to the Lord, then that means we now have something in us that doesn't want to sin. Exactly. And again, to clarify, we're not talking about posers. We're not talking about folks who claim to be. We're talking about true Christians who have that experience where they have had the righteousness of Christ imputed into them. So it's a true believer. And not to jump ahead too far, but in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible says that uh, you... If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you with his sons. For sons in whom the father chasten not, if you be without chastisement, therefore, uh, wherefore are our partakers when ye are uh, a bastard and not a son. Yeah. So uh, the fact that, yeah, you're truly saved. When I lived at home with my dad, I didn't do whatever I wanted to do. If I decide, you know what, Dad, you're not the boss of me, he would quickly deal with me and understand that as long as you live in my house, you live by my rules. Right. <laughs> yes. And if you're a child of God and you say, you know what, God, eh, I've got the blood of Christ upon my life. I, I, I accepted by faith the, 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 the death, burial, and resurrection, but I'm just tired of this church stuff. I, I think I'll do what I want to do. 
and you start to be a reproach and bring shame, there's consequences, severe consequences that will come home to you. Yeah, yeah. and what I was and kind of go with my the rest of my thought was if we stay unstained from the world then we are living out the abundant life that Christ gave us to live day a day without being stained by sin because he cleanses us of those and if we do commit them we can repent and be forgiven of those now, when you get into the the choice of being stained or unstained, James also says, if I know what to do, what's right, and I don't do it, that's sin. And when sins can see, you know, it, it just keeps going the process. But even like in Mark 9, right, Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Yep. Your right hand causes you to sin, wag it out. Yep. And he's not saying physically. He's talking about that if there are things in your life that cause you to sin, it's better to remove them than to stay in them. Now, for the Christian, that makes total sense because why would I keep poison in my life if it's just going to keep poisoning poisoning me and hurting me? And so the true believer gets to the point where they're willing to cut things off because they don't want to be stained. Now, a stain takes place in the believer's life. Now you have disobeyed God, but now you've entered into a whole new thing that a a non-believer cannot enter. You've now grieved the Holy Spirit. You haven't quenched it. You've grieved it. Because anytime we sin, the Spirit within us is grieved. And I don't know about you all, but anytime something grieves, it's not just a second. Grieving is a process and something that takes place because something has upset something to the point where it will grieve over the action that has just been taken. And so when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. And that's why we're, con- one, it convicts us, but now we're uncomfortable and now we're guilty and now we're shameful because we know that we've sinned against God and we have grieved God's Holy Spirit and now we are driven to a place of repentance. So in the act of being stained or encountering sin, right, a believer comes to a point where they can ignore God and his, his decrees and sin and deal with what's going to take place after. Or in the midst of the decision, the thought comes, this is against God. This is against God's word. Even scripture comes up. You now have a choice. But see, that's the difference. Someone who is lost might have a conscience experience of saying, I shouldn't do this. This, I feel bad. But there's not an acknowledgement in their conscience that, oh no, I'm disobeying God. Because a lost person doesn't have a worry of disobeying God. They have a worry of feeling bad and wanting to clear their own conscience. They repent in themselves. Yes. But for yes. me, I don't feel bad for myself. No. I feel bad because I know that I have disobeyed God and now I'm going to repent, but not only am I going to repent, but I'm going to take action and I'm going to pluck and cut off the things that have led me. Because the flesh that is wrapped around the soul is a ticking time bomb. And if you're not sensitive to the ticking time bomb, then it's going to explode because you're not taking care of yourself. You're not preparing yourself for the temptations that lie ahead. And that's when you look at the Christian, you can indulge in sin too much where there might be chastening. Mm -hmm. There might be hard times, but also it might be that you die. Right. 
so the flesh will be destroyed, your body and your soul will go to be with God. And that's the, I mean, that's the ultimate purpose of why he would say such a thing in the scriptures. And a lot of people don't just talk about that in this yeah, day yeah. and age. And I'm not trying to start a whole podcast on censure or, you yeah. know, sin. I know we've got a huge, uh, we're starting a well, huge segment today, but go ahead, Josh. But that's, the, that's the, so one of the things is, is that if you are a Christian out there, you know, that, and I'm not downplaying anything, but I'm saying if you do not have that assurance between you and God of your state prior to your salvation and understanding the work that was done, because there's too many out there that, that will profess Jesus Christ yeah. and say, I am a Christian, but they can't, they can't begin to explain you why. They don't know. So when they do have the sense of, what they have done, like Pastor was preaching about, with, with the moralist. Yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're morally sound. But when the conviction from the Spirit comes, they don't see nothing wrong with that. You know, so they'll make a statement, morally speaking, like, you know, this, I don't do this because of this reason. But then you get down to the stuff to where just a true child of God is going to be like, I'm not going to partake in this. No. I'm going to run from it. I'm going to flee from it. So, and they don't have that. They don't have that because they're not. They're looking at it from a moral stance instead of a godly. So what you're saying, Josh, is that people who don't live a god that are not Christians live a moral lifestyle based on their view of life of right or wrong. Yeah. But what Josh is really diving into is. The only reason they feel wrong is because they have disobeyed their own morals. Right. They broke their own moral code. And so for a Christian, it's like, you're not disobeying your own morals. You, you know you've disobeyed God. Because exactly right. as a child, I, I would do bad things. But I wasn't concerned because I disobeyed God. I, I was concerned because I disrespected my parents' Beth, right. rules. Yes. Which it wasn't their moral rules. It was biblical rules, but to me, it was more of the morality of I've done something wrong in my own eyes, because then there were things I did where I was like, I don't feel bad. Right. My parents would be like, you did something wrong. I'm like, oh, I don't feel bad. Yeah. But it was based off my perception of morality. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the perception of morality begins at a younger age than just when you turn 20. You, A child starts deciding what's right or wrong, <laughs> and morality creeps in a lot earlier than you think. And that's scary. Yeah. So. And to go back to the statement that I made a couple of weeks ago about the Joel Osteen thing and the, the uh, being happy. <laughs> uh, again, mountaintop experiences yeah. are awesome. Yeah. But here's what a sign of, of, of true sanctification is when you understand as a child of God, even when the conviction of God comes on you in a time of... Uh, I, I, catching me in a moment that i'm wrong that's not enjoyable it's not a mountaintop experience but that can give me hope and joy in the fact that there is confirmation hmm. that i'm a child of his there's 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 uh confidence that can be had when you say you know what you're right god and i'm wrong and then that leads me into a closer walk with him. And yeah, that's not a mountaintop experience, but man, is that a developmental phase for a, a person in, in their sanctification process where now then they understand that, man, I don't have to be happy all the time. Right. I can be joyful. Yes. I can, because happiness and joy are two different Total, things. You totally can, different you, things. You, yes. you, can, you can have joy in a, in a moment of repentance. 
when I'm not happy, I'm, when I'm broken and contrite, there's joy in in understanding that your sins are forgiven, mm-hmm. so, even though you're under conviction. So Alan talked about the confirmation and assurance of being a child of God. Let me read this text, and I want to go. I want to talk. I've already mentioned it, but I want to read the legit text. Go ahead, buddy. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter inner life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. Yes. A believer of God should hear that text and instantly think of something that can be cut off. Because if I look at this text and I say, hmm, oh, I don't really have anything in my life right now that's caused me to sin. Well, now you're getting into some first John where you, the Bible says if you say you have no sin, you lie. And that's right. Yes. Paint's on fire. So the only reason, the only reason I bring that up is because the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, but also the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, and that's what makes it applicable, is that when I read this Word, the Holy Spirit, which is referred to as the teacher, teaches me something. So let me give you guys an example. You know, one night I'm praying to God, and I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling with some stuff. I need deliverance. Give me deliverance, right? So a few days go by, no deliverance. So I'm at the point where I'm like, man, Lord, I'm praying for this. What's going on? You know, what am I doing wrong? You know, am I missing something? Is What's what's wrong? Uh, why can't I not have deliverance? Why won't you get it slowly transferred from what am I doing wrong to God? Why are you not answering my where, prayer? Where are you at, God? So I pull my sister's driveway, and here I am making some bold claims in my prayers to God. And as I pull in the driveway, I stop and I sit there and the Holy Spirit of God brought one text to my mind, regard iniquity in your heart. And I thought, I got scared. I was like, whoa, wait a second. This is, I haven't read that text in a long time. Wow. Why? So to me, that's God right there. He, uh, something has taken place that only someone who knows myself, because my conscience my person would not nope. bring that text up. Never. Right. I would didn't even think about it, right? right. I, I haven't really never studied it. And that's how God works. That's how he uses his word. So I get in the, I get on the phone, I call my dad and I'm like, Hey man, you know, I've been doing this and God just put this text on me. I don't understand what it means. He's like, Well, you really need to study it. So I get in it and I'm looking it up and I call him back and I'm like, This is talking about when someone considers sin within themselves regarding iniquity in your heart. So it's talking about that there's sin in your heart you're regarding and you won't let go of. And I thought, oh boy. So instantly, I'm convicted, but now the teacher has taken the word and has taught me something. Because that's what the Spirit does. It illuminates Scripture. So you want assurance as a Christian. Now, I'm not telling you to open your Bible up randomly and just start reading. I'm talking about this. When you get into the Word of God and you take time to be in the Word of God as a Christian... Something should be exposed. Some you should learn something, right? Yeah, now every day intellectually I can learn something. But are there days where I get into some texts and man, God's just showing me some great stuff? Yes. But are there days where I open it up and God's just like, here's one text, eat it. Yeah. Because you need to hear this. And you'll chew on it for a week. Yes. And you'll repent of it yes. because God has exposed you. And so this is just an example right here. When you look at Mark nine and it's talking about cutting your hand off or cutting your eye out. See, spiritual things have to be spiritually discerned. Yes. And so 
when my spiritual life is affected by sin and the Holy Spirit reveals to me something I need to remove, I have now spiritually discerned something yep, out of yep. the Word of God. And that's not my, how I interpret it. That's not my own meaning. That's what the Word of God is saying. It's yep. better to go ahead and cut that thing off so yep. you can live yep. instead of having both your hand, basically having the sin, and then it just takes you to hell ultimately because yep. you won't get away from the sin. And that's the context. And so, Christian, I, I would encourage you, read the Word of God yep. and find assurance because you can be in a valley. You can be on a mountaintop. You can be strong in faith. You can be weak in faith. Every day could be different. But if you're a child of God, you're a child of God no matter what the day is. Yep. No yep. matter when Israel was in the wilderness, or Israel's kingdom was massive. Yep. God was still their God. And so we've got to cling to him. And that's why it's important, like you said, though, is that you were in the word of God and you were looking upon yourself from what God has shown you. You didn't look because that's the thing, you know, you hear of people and they're like, well, you know, Alan's not doing it. So I'm good because, you know, and I love all of y'all dearly, but I'm using the word of God as my standard. Exactly. You know, I'm not looking for another man exactly. to fulfill that. Yes. Jesus Christ fulfilled it. And that's what I'm looking at. If, if you have to look outside of this scripture to learn how your life should be lived, you are, you've missed yeah. the point. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because I don't want nobody looking at me, not for that, because I'm, 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 I'm flesh. I'm going to fail. At some time or another, I'm going to fail. The Pharisees looked outside. That's why Jesus said, go look this up and come back. Go look this up, and you'll see. And then he, today these words have been fulfilled, and they're like, what do you mean? He's like, it's right here. It's right here. Yeah. You don't have to. It's even like when Jesus said, uh, I tell you, um, Love your name, love God with all your heart, love your name. You're right. So you get that text, and Jesus looks at the, the Pharisees. He says, You say, Love, um, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I tell you, basically, love your neighbor, love your love enemy, your enemy yeah. pray for your enemy. Yeah. And what he's saying is that the Pharisees took that original text and just added to it mm-hmm. only love Jews, hate Samaritans. The Bible never teaches that. Respecter of person. Mm-hmm. Throughout the Old Testament, you can see places where it says, "Love your neighbor, Lo- love your person, help somebody, do things." But they've add they added that in. So even with the Pharisees, they had they looked outside of the text to fulfill their religion. Yeah, and religion's dangerous. Uh, guys, let's um let's transition. Y'all good with that? Yep. Because we really only have two questions today. Um, uh, so okay, that's what I thought. Grant was giving me a time. So um. We did, man, two weeks ago we did a great salvation, right? We started Hebrews 2. So uh, our pastor, he called me in his office one day, and he's just like, let me share some thoughts. And he basically wrote a whole page of notes on (laughs) our podcast, not critiquing us, but he had some biblical questions and thoughts that can be addressed. And basically the title of the whole page is How Shall We Escape? But also the whole focus is paying much closer attention like we read in verse one therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it so what we've done is he gave us these notes and it was just a bunch of thoughts and he wanted us to take them see what we thought and um so the other night i was with josh and josh kind of put all of these into questions in sections and we worked on it for a while 
But there are about 10 to 9 questions that we're going to answer that all base around the salvation of Christ and how we obtain it. Now, a lot of you guys might be thinking, well, we know that. You guys have talked about that. I want to say this. We're about to pay much closer attention to it than we ever have because we're going to talk about what has to take place before, what convicts us, the message or the spirit, what about the intellect, where is the power, and when does it take? We're going to talk about so many different things, but this week, the first thing that we really were going to talk about is that first part in... Um, verse 2, and it's just, if there was a part, like, first question, it would be paying attention. So we'll talk about that, but the other questions we're going to answer are, what does the gospel represent, say, and or lead us to? And then the last question for each week is going to be, how have we complicated that? Because we've complicated this. Yes. Not just us, but just throughout time from when it was first given. And when it was first given... In Acts, people said, how must we be saved? And they and the answer was always, repent, believe. Repent, believe. Repent, believe. Now, I also know that the scripture says, repent and be baptized. But I also want to say this. If you go to Acts chapter 8, you'll read about how Philip went down through Samaria. And he preached the gospel. And it says that they received the word and they were baptized. Simon the magician was, always, was baptized as well. But when Peter and John catch wind of what's going on, they realize, oh, they haven't received the Holy Spirit. So let me say this, if you don't have the Spirit, if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, sealing you until the day of redemption, you have never been saved. Correct. So they had only received an intellectual understanding of the message, made an intellectual profession, and then were baptized. This sounds like a good idea. Yes. Yeah. So when they show up, Peter and them are laying hands on them, praying they'll receive the Spirit. But in a sense, for them to receive the Spirit, they've got to receive salvation. And once they received it, right, it was good. Now... Later on, after that happens, then Simon's like, whoa, give me that. I'll pay you for it. And they're like, your heart's not right towards God, but yet he received it and was baptized. So if you believe, in a sense, that baptism is required for salvation, I I just want to make a thought. And you can even, I mean, this isn't like, hey, I'm against you. Don't talk to me. You can email me. uh, Email us. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Why did that water not save those Jews and Simon the Magician? So the water was not significant. The faith was significant Absolutely. in Acts chapter 8. And I'll live by that day by day. And I've studied out all the words, everything that took place. Nothing really, like, like in a sense, lays the hammer down on you have to be baptized. Uh, maybe we can talk about that another day. Well, you said it at the very onset, Hunter. It's become complicated because man's got his hand involved in it. Mm-hmm. And people have put their opinion on it. And... Uh, their own interpretation on the scripture and left got out. Yes. And when you when you get on that slippery slope, you get nothing but confusion. Yep. That's all you get is confusion. And, oh, man. Um, man, we'll, I've got some more thoughts on that, but I want to wait. Because it's, it's, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> okay, we'll, so we'll, get, we'll get there. Pay, the first point we've talked that kind of we've talked about before is paying attention to the gospel. Um, so we have to understand that when we pay attention to the gospel, it's a it, another word. Pee on full alert towards yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Hear it, and we've established that, and we'll talk about it. But this question right here is going to be our conversation for that before we get into how we've complicated. So, what does the gospel represent, comma say, comma lead us to? Now, before we even get into that, 
I do want to give us a quick definition of gospel in text. Now, this is a Greek reference, and you'll I'll give you two, two definitions. You ready? Gospel. And, and the Greek word for gospel is, I'm about to butcher this so bad, <laughs> but it's... Um, you want me to give it a whirl? No. Yo ang gleion. So, yo ang gleion. That's it. Alan gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> and when you look the word up in Greek, um, literally it's E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. Yo Anglion. So here, here we go. A good message, that is the gospel. So there's one definition. Here's another one. To announce good news, in parentheses, evangelize, especially the gospel, declare, bring glad tidings, Preach in parentheses the gospel. Yo anglia. And this one's yo anglia So you have two words that derive from each other that talk about the good news. So let's talk about this. So when we say the gospel, we're just talking about the message. We're not talking about what takes place after. We're not talk, talking about what takes place in, in the process of sanctification. We're talking about the message. The, the message. So yes. let me say this. The gospel saves, right? Yes. The gospel does save, right? Yes. The message of Christ is our salvation. Yes. But when we get to the point where we look at, and the first question was, what does the gospel represent? The gospel represents just the message. Just the message. Now, you notice the definition didn't say the power. Or even the salvation that's going to take place by the Spirit. It says the message. So when we go to church and we stand up and we give the gospel, we are just giving the message. There's no power in me. There's no power in my hands. I mean, literally, I'm just reading a book that's been copied. So the power is somewhere else. The power comes from something else. Now, you might be thinking, you're like, whoa, wait a second, Hunter. Uh, The gospel is power, Hunter. The gospel is salvation. No, 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 no. I get that. The gospel is about power. The gospel is about salvation. Don't misplace concepts. Don't misplace doctrine. The gospel is just the good news. So what does the gospel represent? It represents everything we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about how Christ came. He was born of a virgin. Christ did ministry. He did miraculous signs and everything that would point to him as Messiah. Right? But then what happened? He said, they're going to betray me. They're going to arrest me. They're going to put me on the cross. But that's fine because three days later, I'm going to raise right back up. Destroy this temple. I'll rebuild it. Right? Raise back up. Appear to 500 people. He's going to ascend to the right hand of God. That is the gospel which tells us the good message of being saved. So let me say this. If someone says the gospel saves, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in context, what's in the message? Christ. Christ saves. So the message of Christ is about the salvation, but Christ is the one who produces the saving because of what he did on the cross. Whoa. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's deep. Hey, listen. And you want to get even deeper than that, right? Right. Christ said, my Father who sent me will draw them. Right. I will raise them up. My Father right. who sent me will draw them to. Right. 
So God is the initiator of the drawing. Pay attention. Pay attention right here. <laughs> God is the initiator of the drawing that will take place in that human being's conversion. So when we say the gospel draws us, the gospel convicts us, the gospel, does, over. the gospel does this... We're missing it. Yep. We're not paying close attention because the gospel is about that. Yep. But the good news itself doesn't do that. God does that. Exactly. Christ produces it and the Holy Spirit convicts it. Yep. And so when you look at this question, and so, I mean, maybe you just, I hope you don't disagree because I, this is doctrine. The gospel is the message. The Holy Spirit is the one who reproves us of sin and convicts us of sin. After that, God draws us through the Holy Spirit. Right? So God draws through the Holy Spirit. Here's the conviction. Here's everything God is using. So you hear the message. You pay attention to it, right? And we'll yep. get into this more later on. You hear the message. Next thing you know, God convicts you through the Holy Spirit. Next thing you know, you repent and believe. Next thing you know, John chapter 3 takes place. You have now been regenerated and made new in Christ. Right. Old things pass away. Yes. Old things pass away. We're new creatures. But when you look at this specific question and say, what does the gospel represent? The gospel just represents the message we preach yep. and we teach. Pay close attention. Yep. Your thoughts. Well, Pay close attention. So the Hebrews writer is writing to Jewish Christians that are thinking of re reverting back to Judaism, right? And from a from from a worldly, just because that's the way sometimes my brain operates. And I was thinking about paying close attention, and the one thing that came to mind. And Alan, you might be able to back me up this because you are the safety guy. Most work-related accidents is a lack of attention. Perfect. It's not that they have not used the machine. It's just that they've used it too much. It's, I think it's somewhere around 80%. Yes. Of, of is, industrial accidents. Is, is it, right. Yep. Not paying attention. And do they know the machine? Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, because like I work in construction, you got power equipment around. When accidents happen, the first thing they say is, I wasn't paying attention. I, I thought I had it. I thought... But then we look at it, and like what Hunter was mentioning was about the gospel message. How many times, though, do we not pay attention to that? We put so much other emphasis on it, or even to the point to where it's like, yeah, I know that, but, but. Here's the scary, here's the scary thing, Josh, and I'll, I'll pitch this right back to you and make this statement. Mm. The Jewish Christians had that background. They had that, and maybe during all of their analysis, they overcomplicated or they 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 sure, confused yes. themselves into thinking a, a, a half truth or a, a, a lie altogether. Right, and I mean that's the whole, that's the whole thing about it. And when I was sitting there not paying close attention, that's what I started thinking about is that you know that they that they they were they had overcomplicated it. They started making it to be more than what, and that's what I think they truly were looking for. You know, they're like, there's got to be more. And I mean that's I mean if we're not careful, that's what we'll find our place. Yep. saying, hey, there's got to be more. There's got to be something else that, you know, that this this can't be it. But it is. It's it's, it's the good news. It's the, it's the message of, of Jesus Christ. And that's what it represents. Now, when you look at this question of what does the gospel say, the gospel says everything that we are supposed to know about Christ, mm -hmm. that he is the way, the truth, and, and the life. life. Yep. He is 
the bread of life, he yep. gives living water. Christ said, if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will partake with me. Right? Yep. So that's what the gospel says. Now, boy, it's about to, this is about to get cool. So when we look at this last part, and it says, what does the gospel lead us to? Now, some people, yeah, man, you, uh, you may have never studied it like this, but I would encourage you to, and I'm going to give you text about everything I'm getting ready to say, just to support what I'm getting ready to say. What does the gospel lead us to? The gospel leads us to a knowledge of Christ and why he was needed. The knowledge, because that's what the message is for, is to declare to people. So Peter stands up in Pentecost. He's preaching. He's like, this Christ that you have crucified, and he goes through David the Patriot. He goes through all these things. But at the end of the message, all he has done is just told them. Hey, y'all, y'all need to hear this. You need to realize some things and know some things. But then it says that they were cut to the heart. What cuts us to the heart? Now, give me a second. Now, when we look at John 64, 644, a text I've already mentioned, it says this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Draws him. Okay. So you hear the gospel message. You now have heard about how sin has come to the world and Christ is the sacrifice for our sins. And if we'll believe in him, we will be saved. So, someone hears that message, is not drawn by God. They walk out of the church service or the gospel tent or the witnessing opportunity and they have left with an acknowledgement and an enlightenment a knowledge of, man, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. They can't make that decision themselves. They leave by just acknowledging and hearing the good news. This text right here says, no one can come to me, Christ. No one can come to Christ unless the Father who sent Christ draws him. So in John 10, when it talks about the, the shepherd and the sheep, that tells me this, just from these texts. I cannot become a part of the flock unless God draws me to the flock True. through the gospel. Okay, so now let me, let, me, let me say something else. John 14, another text I've talked about. I want you guys to see this. So it says, And when he comes, talking about the Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, Judgment. Now look at verse 9. Mm. Concerning sin, because they do not believe. So what leads someone? What does the gospel lead someone to? It leads them to an acknowledgement of Christ. The truth. The truth. But that's it. That's what the gospel does. It's just the message. So what does the saving what does the convicting? Because the gospel message is about if you will believe in Christ, you'll repent, of your, confess your sins, repent, believe in, in everything that he did, you can be saved. But that's just what the message represents and says. So when you get to the drawing of God that has to take place in order to get to Christ, in order to be a part of the flock and the sheep of God, my Bible says right here, 
for me to understand that I am completely lost in sin, the Holy Spirit of God has to reprove me and convict me of that. So when you look at the gospel and what it leads to and what it produces is it produces the message. But while the belief, the person is in the met, that message or under that preaching, if the Holy Spirit of God is not working on them, if God does not reveal to them nor draw them to the point that they know they do not believe in Christ because of their sins, they won't be saved. God has to draw a person to salvation. Now, I hope you agree with that. That's what the Bible says. If you cannot make a profession on your own, right. you can't make it out of emotions, and you definitely can't make it out of just an intellectual knowledge, you have to make a profession after God has convicted you and reproved you of sin. So how have we complicated the gospel message? We have taken the gospel, the message, and we've made up more about what we have to do right. with yep. the message. I chose them. And what we do in the moment yep. of the message. Yep. And how we've complicated is we have taken everything away from what God is supposed to do with the message. Yes. Yeah, our part's real simple. Yes. Yes. <laughs> real simple. All we have is the response. That's it. And yes. that's how we've complicated it. That's because it. we've put all these things on. You have to hear it. Then you have to do this. Then you have to do this. My Bible tells me. That I do have to hear the gospel. Yep. But if the Holy Spirit's not involved, I won't even realize I'm lost. Exactly. Right. Because God has to draw me to that conclusion. And when he draws me to that conclusion, I now can be saved by Christ. Because I'm ready and I am at a place that I'm like, boy, I'm lost and I'm going to hell. God, I, I know that you have just showed me. that I, if, Because if God didn't show us we were lost, we never would have known it. Yep. And so what is the gospel? What does it lead to? What is it for? It's the message. We can't make it about us. We can't misplace things. Does the gospel talk about the Holy Spirit convicting? Yes, it's in the book of John. Does the gospel, the, the book of John, talk about God drawing? Yes. But when I preach the gospel, oh boy, when I preach, <laughs> when I preach the gospel, I have to realize one thing. I am now preaching about Christ, and that is all I can do. That's exactly. Right. Mark yes. chapter 4 says that the farmer went out and he threw the seed. That represents a preacher, a teacher, a co It represents someone taking the word, the gospel, and just throwing it out. A podcast. Yep. I'm telling you. So when I preach the gospel, do you know what I'm doing? I'm saying, Lord, help me to rightly divide this word. And God, I pray that once the gospel's get, been given out, your Holy Spirit will take it, the message, and reveal to someone they are lost and they are in need of salvation. Yep. That God does. Yep. But here's the thing. People might hear this and be like, boy, the gospel saves, the gospel does... You're right. But the gospel also just told us that God is the one that has to draw. Yes. So if I share the message, then God will do his part. Yep. God will always be faithful in his part. His word does not return void. But what does the gospel represent? What does the gospel lead us to? What is it for? 
The gospel is the tool in which we cling to. It's the seed in which we have that all we do is we pull it out of our and we throw it in hope that it will land on good soil. And you know who will give the increase? God. God. Absolutely. God will give the increase. Yep. And I'm telling you, we've complicated that. Way too much. Way too much. And there's confusion in, in people's minds, and there's loss of peace, and there's loss of uh, joy uh, of folks wrestling with, am I saved or am I not saved? Not, it, guys, we ain't here to try to talk you out of salvation. We ain't here to try to talk you into salvation. We're going to present the message, just like Hunter said. If the Holy Spirit does his work, our part's faith. Yes. And it's even like one of the questions we'll cover probably next week. Is it the gospel that convicts or the Spirit? Right? People all throughout time have talked about how the gospel goes out and convicts. It's not the gospel. Nope. It's the spirit that takes the gospel. Yep, yep. And drives that is, it. That's the spirit's responsibility to reprove the world of sin. But how have we complicated it? Let me share two thoughts. One, we've added works. Yep. yep. And you're thinking, what do you mean? In Acts chapter 15, a bunch of Judaizers went down to Antioch and said, that yeah, that's great. Gotta, Believe in Christ, but you got to be circumcised. Adding this. a work. Yep. yep. Okay. Here's another one. Baptism. You have to be saved in order to be baptized. That's funny. I've never found that specifically where it says you have to, and if you don't, you go to hell. I've read in uh, what it, 1 Peter 3, 21, where it says baptism now saves. But what about the rest of the text that says not for the cleansing of the body, but for a good conscience towards God, a good yep. action towards God. Another one. You have to speak in tongues for your salvation to be complete. Where has the Bible ever said that? Yep. In Acts. Acts is not a book of doctrine. Acts was not an epistle. Acts was a record of events of everything the apostles did. You tell me in my Bible, in your Bible, where it says, I have to speak a tongue for my salvation to be complete. You won't find it. Nope. So nope. we've complicated it by works. But here's another thing. We've complicated it by making it too hard. Yep. And I'm, I mean, literally, before I got into studying all this, and we realized, look, this bo- this paper right here says two words. Believe or belief is key word in all of this. What does the book of Acts teach? Repent. Believe. Drop the mic. But we've made that complicated. Yes. And I'm telling you, it's even like some you leave, you're praying with somebody at the altar, and someone comes up and says, "Repeat this prayer after me, and no, God will no. save you." No! No. no, 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 no. Gosh, Re- I'm te- When did it, they ever do that? No. Our pastor said it best when we, in the message Sunday. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in behavior. Yeah. It's my heart's so broke over the way that my sin affects God's heart, that it affects my mindset and my decision-making, and it's a change of direction. 180, about face. A reversal is the, and I like that word he used in Sunday's message, a reversal. In my mind, I'm thinking one way, before salvation, after salvation, 180. Complete reversal of the way I think about things. And that change of mind is repentance. Yes. I don't go up there and cry and slobber and sling snot on an altar and get back up and go back into the same thing that I was doing. Yeah. I'm at a point where I'm sick of my sin. Yeah. 
and I beg God for forgiveness. And when I get that forgiveness, I appreciate it. Yes. And that appreciation shows through my decisions that I make and the life that I live. And you might be thinking, man, Hunter, you, you've said some strong claims. Let me tell you this, too. My claims are not based on just because I'm a Baptist. When I get into heaven, I don't have to give my I've been a Baptist for 50 years card to get into heaven. Well, it's not it's not about being a Baptist. It's about being a Christian. And here's the other thing. When I study things out, it's like today I, I was in some uh, some text and I was really looking at predestined an election. And I'm listening to a guy who is a Calvinist, and he's going hard, right, about a Calvinist theology. And then I have a great conversation with our pastor about his, how the what the Bible says and his things. But at the same time, I'm not going to change my beliefs just because he's my pastor. So I don't let other people's theology interpret what I feel like Scripture says. And you should says. never. And you no, should never. No, no. I know that there are deep concepts in God's Word. And I understand that when we start talking about the mind of God and the things that land alive, it just, I kind of just stand there with my mouth open sometimes. And it just kind of blows my mind. But salvation is simple. Yes. It's, yes. If, it's, if it's complicated, how could a, how could a, a, a 12-year-old, you know, kid understand it? Yeah. I understand it because the Bible is simple and God's word is the 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 uh, evidence that uh, is true to me. And because I believe it, and I place my, I'm yes. going to get ahead of us. <laughs> but my my faith, and again, I, I, I think that I struggled for a long time, not because that the message was weak or the spirit was in, ineffective. My faith was not where it should be. And the stronger my faith gets, the more my relationship with God flourishes. Yes. And I'll say this too. You know, it's like when I was first introduced with the idea of the baptism saves, I thought, okay, you know what I, you know what I did? This is what I did the next day. I went in my office, got my Bible out, and I said, Lord, well, I already knew it was what the idea was because I've heard that all throughout school. But I thought, you know what, Lord, a lot of people make claims that this is how it's supposed to be. And so I stripped away all my filters, all my thoughts, and I prayed and I said, Lord, I want you to show me in your word how we're supposed to see this. And I went through all the texts that say, repent, be baptized, repent, be baptized. But you know what I noticed? I left there with this thought. Why are there hundreds more verses that talk about faith in Christ? Why would... Peter say, baptism now saves, and it's almost like he could have left people there to be confused, but then he says, not for the cleansing of the body, or the no, washing of dirt, but for a good not. conscience towards God. And I left that day, not with Baptist theology, or what, or Pat, I left there with trust and hope, but I left there with God teaching me what salvation's about. And it's not about a work, or a deed, or an action that I have to do. The Bible says, repent and believe. Yep. And guys, I would challenge you, pay closer attention. And you know, when if, if two years ago, if I would have heard someone sit down and say, uh, what is the gospel? It's just some, it's just the good news. I would be like, whoa, hey, wait a second now. You know, I would have had tons of thoughts. But now that I've studied it for myself and I've dug into the word, 
The gospel is the good message. But what does it lead us to? It leads us to an understanding and acknowledgement and an awareness that Jesus Christ died on the sins for my cross on, on the cross for me. Mm-hmm. But in light of hearing that message, if I'm not convicted by the Holy Spirit of God because God is drawing me, I won't be truly saved that day. So people hear the message every Sunday and they leave unsaved. People hear the message under the tent, on the billboard, on everything, and they acknowledge it, and they make an awareness about it, but that's it. But that's why, that's why God put John six forty four in the Bible, because he's teaching us, he'll draw us through that. The wrath of God's revealed. The Bible says, for whosoever, says on everyone that will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yep. So we preach the gospel. We share the good news to everybody. But that may, ain't that all we can do? Yes. That's it. That's it. It's like our pastor. He preaches a message and he sits down. And he don't leave because nobody responds. He don't quit because nobody responds. He keeps preaching. Why? Because he is the herald of good news. He is the preacher of good news. He is the pastor who's going to share to the flock the good news. And he's sitting down. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news. And I pray that it would lead everyone who would listen to this and everyone that goes into church, I pray it would lead them to a place where God can absolutely, absolutely draw someone to salvation. Because here's the thing. I heard the gospel my whole life. One night I was at home, I wasn't sitting under the preacher. I wasn't sitting under the pastor. I wasn't sitting under the Sunday school teacher. I watched a video, and it had one little scene of the rapture of God taking place. And do you know what God did through that little video? Well, he got a hold of my heart. He said, you're lost. If I come right now, you're going to hell. And I thought, okay, Lord, I come to you in prayer. And you know what my prayer was? Jesus, please save me. Jesus, please save me. Jesus, please save me. Because as a 12-year-old boy... I felt like I was hanging on a cliff. Yeah. And if I didn't call out for help, I was going to fall off and end up in a bad spot. Yeah. And so what else do you do in that moment when you see that your life's hanging in the balance? You cry out, help, help, save me. And that's what happened. Yeah. But see, a lot of people talk about you have to come to an altar. You have to do this. You have to be here. You have to do this. And I'm thinking, God save me sitting behind a computer at home on a Monday night. I was writing sentences because I got in trouble at school. So it's probably a good time because I was being bad. (laughs) But that just shows you the gospel is the good news. And however God chooses to use that good news to draw someone to a spiritual revelation. And I'm not talking about a weird dream or something about, you know, oh, no, I can feel it in my my hairs on my body. I'm talking about a revelation that you're lost in your sins and you're wavered from God. And if you don't call upon the name of the Lord, you're going to hell. And if you've ever experienced it, you don't have to ask what's going on. No. There's no explanation. There's no, God makes himself evident. And I've heard people get hung up on the on, on, on the prayer and say, well, maybe I omitted a word, or maybe I didn't do this right or do that right. Or right. Da, da, da. Hey, listen, guys, the prayer is a sincere desire of the heart. And God knows my heart better than I do. I, I, and I'm of, a firm, I'm of a firm belief that if I'm in – uh, it, 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 in under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God for salvation, 
and I respond, however, from my heart, God knows. Yeah. And I can't mess that up. I can't mess that up. And, and the fact that uh, I'm, I'm reaching out to God from my heart, if I say a, 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 a whatever the prayer is, you can't mess it up. Yes. Right. And, and it's like this. Maybe you hear us as we go through this segment. Maybe you hear this one tonight. Maybe you don't agree with everything I've said. I still love you. Absolutely. Yeah. I still want to talk to you. Yeah. I have, listen, I've got good friends that are Calvinists, that uh, Church of God, different good friends. And we might disagree on a couple things, but I love them. Yeah. And so I'm telling you this, I'm not here tonight to point the holy finger at you. I'm just here telling you that the Word of God is clear and concise and in context. You might disagree with that, but I just ask, love us, because we love you. Yeah. And I'm telling you this, we're going to get to heaven one day, we're all going to figure out where we're wrong somewhere. And our job is not to argue, not to fuss, right. not to bicker back and forth. It's to proclaim that gospel. It's leaving right. like, if somebody were to... Sow that seed. Yeah, and then, it's, but like Hunter said earlier, it's just the good news. It's it. You know, so do, are we hesitant to tell uh, people good news that happens in our lives? No. So, you know, physically speaking, monetarily speaking, yeah. job relation. Job we, promotion. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. You'll tell, you'll tell people. Yeah. No problem. That. No problem. Right? Oh. And you ain't sitting there waiting for them to be, you know, so what are your thoughts? What do you, yeah. you know? Do you approve of my promotion? Right. No. <laughs> nope. You tell them and be like, you know, and it's the same thing. It's the good news. Yep. It it's is. not for us to, not to sit there and find out or, you know, to pressure them more. Share the message and go on. Keep yep. the next guy. Because he's got something to tell you. Even like, here's, I mean, uh, someone might bring a text up and say, what about the text where Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. It's a good text. Probably one of my favorites, right? But the, the Bible also says the gospel message is foolishness to those who are perishing, but unto us it is the salvation yep so when you study that text and it says it is the power unto salvation the gospel is powerful it is powerful the it is. what happened in the gospel absolutely very powerful but see here's the thing the gospel also says in john six forty four, the drawing has to take place yep. unto salvation and i'm telling you it, it's just if we pay closer attention man i this has just challenged me in all my studies pay closer attention to what's going on it's like uh, in one of my cl- I'm taking the book of John right now in one of my classes, and I had to go through ten chapters of John and answer five questions for every conversation that Jesus had in that chapter. So some chapters it might be one, some chapters it might be four. But I'll tell you this: the questions go like this: Who's Jesus talking to? What's the subject? How is his deity revealed? What does the person do after? And what is one practical truth? So I go through all these chapters, and I'm really like paying attention to what's going on. Can I tell you something? There was a learning lesson in every conversation that he had that I saw. Whether it's Jesus and the Samaritan woman, right? He tells the disciples, the fields are white. They're ready for labor. And I thought, I've heard that my whole life. You know, Jesus was trying to get them to see that that Samaritan woman was in need of salvation. So what would they do when they get in the book of Acts? They're ministering to people on the side of the road. They're ministering to Lydia who just sews and does stuff. They're hitting everybody. They're not stopping. But think about the effect of Christ telling them that. The fields are white. They're ready. Go get them. If we pay closer attention, attention, we'd be so shocked how much we could learn and how little of a verse we might read. 
And so, friends, this segment's going to be called Pay Attention. And we're going to go through some big things. And in two weeks, we're going to have a guest come join us for our last segment. We're, we're going to talk about an intellectual profession of, in Christ versus a faith profession in Christ. And we're going to talk about how works and evidence and all that thing. All that ain't ta- going to cut it. It's not. But faith sure does produce those in yep. right content. So Absolutely. I hope you guys will enjoy this and learn about this. Maybe you have questions or maybe you have some different thoughts and you have some texts that you want to send in and would love to hear us talk about or elaborate on. And I'm not talking about on the podcast. I'm just talking about in an email. You know, if you send us something in, we're not just going to get on the podcast and blast somebody because that's not our goal. Our goal is to help people see the context of Scripture so they themselves can grow. Listen to that. They themselves can grow, not Hunter's going to grow them. Right. They themselves, because that's what well, we're here to do. If you don't know anything about us, and you you may or you may not, you may go to church with us. You may be in Washington. I don't know if you know us or not, but know this: Hunter just, uh, I mean, set, wrapped it up in the the fields are white, yep, ready for harvest. If you're listening to this, we want to do something that motivates you to a position of service. We want to push each other closer to That's the it. calling. That's it. We want iron to sharpen iron. Yep. We want to lift up our brothers and sisters higher than ourselves. And that's that's the point of this podcast is to lift you all up and hopefully maybe put some different thoughts in your mind that you'll go study some things and look for context instead of opinion. Yep. So, guys, we love you all. Um, and, uh, guys, y'all got anything else? God bless. God bless. All right, God bless. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace out.